Welcome to the Regenerate Podcast, exploring the regenerative movement in all aspects of life to revitalize, restore, and re-energize for a better world. I'm your host, Jenna. So stoked to have you here. Let's regenerate together. and welcome to another episode. Today's guest is truly one of a kind. His name is Brando Yelovich, and you know, at first glance, he's an explorer. He's traveled by foot all the way across the coastline of New Zealand. He has biked across Australia and circumnavigated Vancouver Island via kayak. Um, but more than that, he's truly driven by passion and love and has such an incredible story, which we'll get into today. He has some amazing perspectives on our relationship to nature, the mind, body, and spirit, his perspectives on climate change, and kind of what's going on right now in the collective. So um, you guys are in for a treat and let's get into it. Here is Brando Yelovich. All right, as mentioned, everybody, we have the amazing explorer, wild boy, warrior of the soul, Kia Ora, Brando. Welcome to the show. Kia Ora from New Zealand. Super stoked to have you here. You have no idea. Um, So just to obviously you being a raw and real explorer is just kind of one of the many things I want to talk to you about today as you are incredible being on many levels. But I mean, of course, to start off the episode, I think it's really important that um, you tell us about uh, your first exhibition with journeying around New Zealand. Yeah, well, well, I guess I'll I'll start at the beginning for you. Um, I was in a, uh, I, I had a pretty rough childhood growing up, not necessarily because of my environment or my parents, but um, I grew up with ADHD and that caused my uh, ability to be able to regulate emotions uh, to almost be non-existent and so there was a lot of uh, angst and stress and anger and violence um, from me growing up as as a younger child and as I kind of progressed into teenage years and intermediate high school I just fell further and further through the gaps of society um, I reached a, a point when I was in high school and I just decided that I didn't want to be there anymore. At that point, I'd started uh, doing quite a lot of drugs. I was hanging out with the wrong crowd of people in quite a, a dark world of crime. And uh, yeah, I had a, a pretty big wake up call. Um, I had like a, a pretty much a big fight in the middle of um a busy public road where I dragged someone out of their car window and I just went nuts at them um and then when I went home that night I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and was just disgusted with the the person that I'd become um you know my my parents didn't raise me to to be that kind of person and uh you know I'd just become so lost in in my ways and lost with you know being lost that I didn't really know how to move forward Um, but when I looked at myself in the mirror that day I just I guess I realized that it was up to me to make the change in my life it it wasn't going to happen by itself and no one could force it upon me Uh, so I did I I went back out into the room where all my friends were and and I told them that I was going to walk around the entire coastline of New Zealand and they just laughed (laughs) they thought it was an absolute joke like who who could do that 
um, you know, it's just over eight and a half thousand kilometers and it had never been done before. Um, you know, coming from me who grew up in the city, I'm, I wasn't exactly a super outdoorsy person. I mean, I loved being in the outdoors and rock climbing and, uh, you know, but I wouldn't have really classified myself as a hiker. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I just made it happen. I contacted people and they all told me that it was impossible and they wouldn't support me. And um, I got told time and time again that, you know, like it wasn't it wasn't something that someone could do, um, especially at 19, you know. Um, so I reached a point where I was just like, well, it's really up to me. I gathered all the things that I thought I might need, you know, just bits and bobs from... Um, you know, thrift shops and uh, we've got like just cheap warehouse kind of places. Uh, put it all in a big backpack and got my dad to drop me at the top of New Zealand where I set off on this mammoth journey. Um, you know, when I, when I was starting, it was literally me running away from this crappy life that I had kind of created for myself. Uh, but very quickly it became something way more special and way bigger than I could have ever imagined. Uh, I, I wanted to raise money for charity as I went and I raised money for the Ronald McDonald House. Um, so that was, I guess, my way of kind of uh, giving back while I was doing something for me. I, I'd i been on the benefit for about two, two years before I set off on this journey. So I really felt like I needed to contribute back to society in some way, even though I just kind of removed myself from it. But, uh, you know, that being said, I had no money. I had no, uh, in, I had nothing really. Uh, so when I set off, I carried with me a bow and arrow and a knife. And um, that's what I used to feed myself um, on the journey. You know, as, as I went on, I met lots of beautiful people, you know, in fact, the people that I met really uh, restored my faith in humanity um, as, as a whole, which was really, really special for me. But, um, you know, the, the first couple of months were rough on, on the old stomach in terms of eating. Uh, so, yeah, there I was. My dad had dropped me at the very top of New Zealand. And I took like the first physical step of this journey and realized like our walking's pretty easy. <laughs> um, but, you know, that step wasn't, wasn't what got me to where I am now. The, the step was really deciding I needed to make change, first of all, but then followed by that, the like, getting up and actually acting on my thoughts um, rather than just kind of having them and letting them pass by. Uh, and I just want to touch on um, a small little subject there with that. You know, um, it's very easy to act on positive thoughts. You have something that, you know, you know is going to make you feel good. And so you, you do it. Whereas when you're stuck in this negative mindset where uh, things aren't necessarily going to get better, straight away they might get worse if you act on something and it's a lot harder to pull yourself out of those negative places but it's a lot more rewarding in the long run to uh you know 
stand up and be like, I need to change, which is what I did. And the first kind of month was all about uh, learning, learning to be me, um, me without the influence of society. It, it was, I guess, if I was to give it a name that and kind of separate the whole journey into chapters, that first chapter I would have called forgetting um, because it was, it was a time to forget everything I had ever been taught, told, everything I thought about myself, uh, because I realized that the only way I can, I guess, find myself or not still be lost was to forget where I was, forget who I was, and then create myself from the ground up. So that journey was, I guess, me laying my foundations um, for a for a happier and healthier life, and uh, it was the beginning of my journey to be of my own liking. Uh, you know, the hunting thing was very eye-opening for me. You know, I'd only ever accidentally hit hit a possum with my car, um, and I felt terrible at the time. But when I was out there, you know, if I didn't kill, I wouldn't eat. Uh, and you know, there's, there's not many plants that, are that have high nutritional value that are in New Zealand's native bush. And a lot of them, you have to spend a lot of time preparing before you can actually eat them to remove the toxins. Uh, the, the ocean's full of the be beautiful seafood. And so I did spend a lot of time swimming, diving, uh, eating a lot of shellfish and fish, uh, but my main my main food source was uh, meat, uh, and you know learning to take a life and then consume it uh, was in the beginning a very very big struggle, um, but it's one that taught me some amazing life lessons and and really kind of reinforced the fact that um, you know we are what we eat. Um, and if if I ate an animal that suffered, you know, I was eating that animal's suffering. But, you know, if I took a life in the most humane way possible, I mean, taking a life is never going to be humane. But, um, you know, and, and if I said my little ritual that I would often say, it, it made it uh, better for my soul. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was a, a bloody big, interesting experience there. And and so, how long was that whole whole journey? So that journey, as as I went right around the coastline, took me six hundred days. Uh, it was over eight thousand seven hundred kilometers. And as I said before, it was you know it changed my life. It was the the thing that I needed to go out and do to get on the path that I am now um a bloody big trip <laughs> yeah I mean it's an incredible story so I'm really happy I had the chance to ask you um and you, had, you could share it with us and since then I mean I think it's really interesting you know if people take a look at your Instagram they're going to think that you've grew up in the bush and you you know you've been around nature your whole life but you actually grew up in the city so from this expedition you know you've done many since then, circumnavigating Vancouver Island, uh, biking across Australia, 
So, you know, what is your relationship to nature now and what, what has it taught you? Yeah, well, I, I'm just going to go straight back to that first journey to explain an answer to your question. After the first four days of my journey around New Zealand, I had changed my life, not because I had run away from my old one, but because I had discovered a connection with nature that I didn't know was missing from my life. Um, I, I believe there's three things that a human needs in order to live ha happily and healthily and, and to maintain uh, a balance in life. One of them is water, one of them is food, and the other one is nature, a connection to nature. They're, they're the three fundamental things that, um, that I believe a human needs. I mean, there's, uh, there's like a million things that a human needs, but with those three things, you can be fulfilled and happy. Um, so I guess my relationship now with nature is, is of highest importance in my life. You know, if, if I am not in nature, for at least 10 minutes every day, at, ver at the least, um, I am not a happy person to be around. <laughs> um, and and that, that can be quite hard coming back from these big expeditions, uh, you know, where the total immersion that I have in my environment, in nature, like 24 hours <laughs> of the day and night, uh, and then I come back and nature isn't, quite as accessible because over the last 400, 500 years, humans have removed themselves from uh, the, the natural world by putting walls around ourselves. And uh, that's, I think that's a big contributing factor to a lot of the problems that we're now having and throughout the industrial age has caused us to this, the spot that we're in now. Yeah, exactly. And I think that kind of segues into um, a question I wanted to ask around, you know, you've seen so many different landscapes around the world. Um, so what is your perspective on, on climate change? Yeah, well, it's, it's really interesting because a lot of the places that, that I go are so isolated and so untouched that, um, you know, the, the signs of climate change aren't obvious. Um, but when you come back into a city or you start approaching the, the edge of the civilized world, I guess, that's when it becomes really noticeable. And, and, and I guess I'm not necessarily speaking from uh, like CO2 emission kind of perspective, but, but more the human perspective where uh, the, the, the problem isn't that we're destroying well i mean it is that we're destroying the environment of course but it's it's not it's not for no reason it's because we've become so disconnected from what it is we're destroying that we don't know how important it is and and that's that's only happened and you know like the last well, thousand years um probably not exactly there's probably some scientists that just heard me say that and he's like no <laughs> no way it's it's not that <laughs> but um just a just a guess you know a thousand years since we've uh really started moving for like in a fast way away from 
the natural world. But my, my view on climate change, of course, is that it's very real and it's, it's totally reversible. It's completely and utterly reversible, but, but not by, not by stopping using single use plastic bags and doing all, like, I mean, they're all good steps, of course. Like, don't get me wrong. All these little changes that everyone's making to their lives is great. But the, like the true secret is, is make people fall in love with nature and they won't want to destroy it because people don't destroy the things that they love. And, and so that's like the, the hardest answer to, to, I guess, um, get across to people. And it, it starts with our youth really. And they're doing a bloody good job at, um, advocating for the wild because a lot of them are becoming a lot more connected with nature and a lot more conscious of their decisions. Uh, but you know, someone's probably also going to hate me saying this. It's, um, climate change is it's a population problem and it's that simple there's too many people for the non-sustainable way of life that we now live um and and even if it was somehow created in a sustainable way to to live there would still be too many people um and i think that's that's always going to be the issue with you know any species if a classic example is here in new zealand um on our coastlines we have uh like a, a sea egg a sea urchin that lives in the ocean we we call them kinna they're actually really tasty but um the species that eats them gets fished out by our fisheries it's like the number one eaten fish it's a snapper and they uh, use their heads to headbutt the sea urchin to crack them open, but it's only the really big ones that have a strong enough head to be able to break in and not be like penetrated by all the spikes. And so with the decline of all of the fish, obviously then the problem of overpopulation of kinna comes about and the kinna are wiping out our kelp forests. So suddenly the kelp forests disappear and it's, it's that whole co-extinction thing. You know, um, you lose one species and even if you think it might be totally irrelevant to all the others, everything's there for a reason and everything has its role in the ecosystem. So um, like, like us as humans, we definitely have our role in the ecosystem. Um, we just haven't quite figured out what we're meant to be doing yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I really love it. And I knew you would have a really interesting perspective. And I think um, on climate change and kind of our relationship to the earth. And I think for, you know, what I'm starting to really realize is I think there's like a missing, you know, consciousness. Again, there's this disconnect. And I think if we just start to I don't know if it's remembering or, you know, reconnecting to nature, I think that's where a lot of things can really shift. Um, and obviously that's, you know, for individuals on like a personal level um, and just reconnecting to their, to place and their communities, et cetera. Um, and spiritually as, as well. So I, I, I really appreciate you kind of giving your really honest feedback there. Cause I think um, for us to look at climate change as only, you know, very scientific is, is one thing, but I think there's, you know, another missing link there that we should be exploring. Um, so from there, I'm very curious to know, you know, 
what is a, you call yourself a warrior of the soul and, and what exactly does that mean? I guess that's, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> um, a warrior of the soul. Uh, I guess we're all, uh, we're all warriors of the soul. Um, some of us are just not aware of that. <laughs> um, I guess by calling myself a warrior, the warrior of the soul, it, uh, it doesn't change at all who I am, but if I was to kind of break down the definition of, of what I believe that to mean, it would be that uh, traditionally warriors are beings of strength, of power, of control, of, um, you know, they're, they're, they were like the, the heroes of the pastime. Uh, and we've become so disconnected with our souls that I believe, you know, we need to seek out that warrior within in order to regain control over, you know, our soul and our spirit. And, uh, and so by saying warrior of the soul, I guess I am, I'm being driven by my soul. You know, I, I am at least when I'm alone of my own liking. Uh, and so warrior of the soul, I guess I'm just speaking from the heart, from the soul, and it's it's the strongest force that I have in my life, even stronger than my muscles. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's beautiful and amazing. Um, so going back to your, your expeditions, um, you've done some pretty you know unimaginable things. I think a lot of people would describe you as you know bold or unafraid. Um, and I, I mean, some of the, your stories are are super incredible. One that comes to mind is when you had, uh, was it the wild dingo, like just kind of curl up with you one night? Would love for you to share that story. But um, just what is your perspective on, you know, fear and, you know, entering what most people call like the unknown? Yeah, well, I mentioned right in the beginning of the podcast that I have ADHD. Um, uh, to, to put that into simpler terms, you know, people say they know what ADHD is, but really when most of the time when someone says they know what ADHD is, they mean they've heard the like acronym mentioned once or twice and they know that it means attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but um, they actually have no clue <laughs> what it is. And like there's, it's such a complex, um, complex brain difference really. Uh, the way that I like to describe it is uh, we all have a metaphorical bucket in our heads and the neurotypical mind. So, uh, you know, anyone that's not ADHD or any other uh, mental difference, this bucket is like really strong and really stable. And when good things happen, good chemicals go into that bucket and slowly it gets fuller and fuller and your body and your brain can access those chemicals when uh whenever and so feelings of joy and happiness are more long lasting and uh you know the the reward system when you finish something great or you achieve uh leaves you feeling fulfilled for you know a couple of weeks you've just accomplished this task that you've been working on but the ADHD mind or the non-neurotypical uh, has a hole in that bucket and the feel-good chemicals are draining out at a slightly slower rate than it's being filled so constantly you're going to need to find stimulus and uh, 
you know, that can come across in really good ways or really bad ways. Um, so when people kind of say that, you know, use the term ballsy or um, crazy or driven, it's, it's like I do the things that I do and I live the life that I do because it's the only way I know how to feel. It's the only way I know how to feel good. It's the only way I know how to, to just be. Um, and it's, it's really, the more I think about it, my survival response to the, the known world, uh, the unknown excites me. It is, it's in the unknown that we have infinite potential. Like that's, that's where every possibility lies is in the unknown and in the known, you know, you have control over everything and, and, you know, in the unknown, you have control over everything, not, not just what you think you have control <laughs> over, but every single potential possibility that could ever be, or you could ever want or ever was lies in the unknown. Uh, so, you know, if you change the way you look at the unknown, and that's what I did, you know, as this place of creativity and play and power, um, as opposed to a place of fear and change and just, you know, if you just look at it in a positive way, then it, new things become very exciting. So I've completely forgotten what your question was, but I believe I'm still kind of on topic. Am I? You are. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, just your perspective on fear and the unknown. So like, you know, your expeditions being a piece of it, but yeah, for maybe others, um, on like, a, you know, more of their day-to-day -day scale, like, you know, how, what would be your advice for people on how, you know, to approach fear or approach the unknown, which yeah, you've kind well, of touched on already. I've definitely touched on the unknown thing, but fear is a really interesting one. Um, I was allowed to play with knives as a kid, you know, I'd run around the garden with like big machetes and just, you know, get up to all sorts of nonsense. But over the last 20 years or even 25 years, the, the kind of society model is to cotton wool our children, to wrap them up, to make sure they don't get in any unnecessary risks, you know, or not have any unnecessary risks in their life, um, which is, in my opinion, very detrimental to society as a whole. It's creating this very unhealthy relationship with fear so that, you know, people that are my age, older, younger, uh, people as a collective are afraid of fear. Uh, but in, in fear, you learn. Like, fear is about learning what you do like and what you don't like. And there's a big difference in this world between real fear and, or sorry, real risk and perceived risk. And the perceived risk of something bad happening is way, way higher today than it, than it needs to be, than it, than it should be, which is causing the unnecessary fear to rule a lot of people's lives. Um, once again, the same as with the unknown, you need to push your boundaries. You need to do the things that frighten you to, you know, push, push your comfort zones, not because 
you need to push through these uncomfortable things. But because pushing through those own, uh, sorry, <laughs> get my words on, on track again, pushing through those uncomfortable times is what enables you to really understand the difference between this is actually going to hurt me and this is just going to make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, so just changing your relationship with fear, with the unknown, with whatever aspect of your life uh, is um, leading you astray, I guess. Yeah, I know that that's, that's really great advice. And I think for a lot of us, you know, mentally we'll make up stories, right? We'll, we'll start making up stories about how something will end up being. And so we don't even go for it. And then, or we go for it and we realize, oh, wow, like, what was that story I just made up in my head? Um, I'm sure you maybe experienced that on, well, I don't know, on your like expeditions and stuff. I know sometimes when I travel, like I'll be like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm going to get killed here or I'm going to get lost. Um, and half the time that doesn't even happen. Do you have any like stories like that? Yeah, I'm going to, uh, but because like, because you're in, you're in Canada, right? I'm going to share my, my bear experience story because, you know, Canadians all have one, but, you know, New Zealanders don't really, so it's quite an exciting story. Um, my partner and I were kayaking around Vancouver Island a couple of years ago, and we, you know, we were pretty good. We were very careful with how we stored our food, and we kept it in our kayaks that were turned upside down everything was all in sealed bags but towards the end of our trip it had been raining for like 20 days straight everything was wet and uh we started to become a little bit complacent like just doing things like drying the tent out with our gas cooker and uh this one day it was pouring with rain and um and i decided to just cook in the tent <laughs> and you know, it, it was like such a harmless thing. Really, all we were doing was boiling water in the tent and pouring it into a freeze-dried bag. So um, nothing like, you know, not like cooking some steaks or <laughs> or anything like that. Um, went to bed that night, woke up in the morning, the sun was out, like the weather had changed, it was a beautiful day, and uh, went down to the beach now about like 300 meters down there was uh like a big like grizzly bear <laughs> and it was cruising down the beach uh luckily you know it hadn't come in the night or anything like that the river was uh full of salmon they were running up the river so in my mind it's like the bear is 100 percent going to walk right past us to the river um you know it had like a 200 meter gap between us and the ocean it, could have just done its thing uh, so I gave it its space I was like taking photos from from way way in the distance and then it kind of got in line with us and stopped and it was exactly where the wind was blowing as well from behind me and down and as soon as it smelt uh, me and our tent it kind of just started moving away from the river and up towards where I was standing on on the top of these big logs and so instantly I was like well it probably can't see me from this distance so I want to make sure it knows that something's there so it doesn't get a big fright and I started yelling and I'm like yelling and shouting and um, like making big loud noises 
banging sticks and it just keeps coming closer and closer and closer by this stage i'm like starting to get a little bit afraid <laughs> very afraid terrified but um you know i wasn't around these creatures my whole life i had never been uh you know told or taught about them so i never had any perceived risk about them other than yes it's a big bear with huge claws and huge teeth um but I'd never heard the stories, the horror stories, you know, I just didn't know. Uh, so I guess in my ignorance, I was um, uh, safe. <laughs> so I kept coming closer and I kept yelling. And when it got about 20 meters away from me, I, um, I threw the stick that I had at it and it hit the bear and well, it was probably a little bit closer than that actually because I can't throw a stick 20 meters. <laughs> um, it hit the bear and this is when, it's, it's almost comical thinking back on it. Um, it stopped, it stood up and like on its leg, on its back legs and brushed the sand off its shoulder or its arm. And it just looked like, you know, straight out of a cartoon, someone punched and then they brushed the dust off them and then it came down and as it came down it like smashed the ground and just started charging and it charged straight for me and I like yelled like let out this almighty war cry and um and it, it must have been like a demi charge like a false charge and so it kind of like stopped and did like a turn and then and came back around and um and it must, I don't know what was going through this bear's head, but what was going through my head was like, holy crap, I'm going to get eaten by a bear. Um, I just like, I'd watched The Revenant <laughs> and I was just imagining getting pulled apart and eaten. Um, and then I, I, I don't know, something came over me. I was just like, well, Google had told me to just lie down and play dead in this scenario, but like there's no way I was going to do that. So I just decided to I challenge the bear to, to do everything in my power to uh, make the bear realize, Hey, I'm not going to just let you attack me. I'm going to attack you. So I charged the bear um, like full war cry with like a massive stick in my hand and just like as terrifying as I could make myself. I just charged and I don't know if that bear had ever experienced something like that before from my species because it turned around and it ran and it didn't look back. It just ran and it stumbled over logs and kept running. <laughs> um, so that was yeah my, my bear experience. And when I tell Canadians that or Americans, they're just like, what the hell? What were you thinking? Like you crazy. Like, <laughs> but um, yeah. That's my bear story. <laughs> Holy, wow. No, that's, I did not think that that's where I, how the story would end. So, holy smokes. <laughs> that's I, I walked back up, I walked back up to the tent where my partner was and like I had my hands on my hips and I was just like on cloud nine and I like yelled out. I was like, babe, babe, I just fought off a grizzly bear. <laughs> oh man, it, it, it wasn't until later that day that I kind of, it really set in what um, the other outcome could have been. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, if I hadn't have done that, the outcome, I could have been eaten anyway. That's you know, so 
It's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What an incredible story. I mean, you have, you have so many incredible stories and uh, you're truly an incredible human being. Um, so outside of your expeditions, you know, those are, you know, one, one huge part of your life. Um, just on like your regular day to day, you know, for yourself, like how, how are you showing up for yourself to make sure that you want to live, you know, the life you want to live and what would be your message to, to others? Yeah. Wow. That's a very interesting one. I've had a very tough year. Um, when I got back from my last journey across Australia, uh, throughout that journey, I was pretty much in complete untouched desert, like just wilderness for 120 odd days. And it wasn't until the last couple of weeks, really, that I started entering back into, I guess, the, the civilized world, as I put it. Um, so I, I just, I developed this really beautiful, powerful connection with the place that I was in sleeping under the stars every night, watching them, you know, warp across the skies as the earth rotates and uh, going through, you know, four different full lunar cycles, watching the moon do its thing. And uh, I was very much connected and felt very uh, whole throughout that time. And as I got closer to the city, the stars begun to disappear with the light pollution and like the cars begun to be the biggest risk out there for me the cars on the road um there was like there was lots of animals but they were all dead squashed on the sides of the road and suddenly there was fences you know people had started putting up fences which stopped the kangaroos from being able to just bounce across and and have free free roaming of everywhere and then the rubbish the rubbish on the sides of the road the broken down cars that had just been forgotten about and then the bushfires i was finishing that journey when australia was having like the the worst bushfire season in history and there was smoke everywhere i would be just riding through thick like smoke every day and it was very uh, disheartening you know oh look there's humanity <laughs> um, very different than that, that first journey where my faith had been restored in humanity mm -hmm. I guess my, my faith had been now dampened and um, and humanity purely because of the destruction that was everywhere and I guess I was also more aware of it um, when I finished that journey, I just was, I was in a pretty dark place. You know, I went from cloud nine to um, somewhere under the ground. <laughs> and over the past year, I've really struggled to get back on top of my, my mental wellness. Um, and I think that's also like a really powerful message that uh, a lot of people don't really think about with all of those people that do the things that I do or have the big public figures, you know, everyone has shit and everyone deals with the same kind of baseline human emotions. Uh, and we, we deal with them differently, but everyone is human and everyone has problems. Um, so to best answer your question, uh, 
I have started developing a routine in my everyday life. I wake up at the same time every day. I, um, I've timed that with the, the sun. Even if I can't see the sun from where I sleep, um, I, I wake up with it and I go to bed uh, roughly 10 o'clock each night as well. And that is just, I guess, my way of trying to maintain that equilibrium you know the word, <laughs> with with nature, even if I'm not necessarily, necessarily sleeping in it. Um, that has been one thing. I've started uh, doing a lot of yoga, um, a lot of mindful activities, and I guess just trying to find the things that I'm interested in and doing those to the best of my ability. Um, you know, I do, I began this journey of my life to change my own very quickly. It, it developed and changed into something that was helping inspire other people to change their lives, to, to do the things that they love. And before I knew it, uh, you know, I was doing what I did because it made me feel good to help people and to inspire people. So uh, now I do that through speaking. I, um, I speak at a lot of schools. Um, I speak to a lot of organizations and businesses. And my message is, is truly just to, to follow your dreams in this one life that we have and, and to find the things that interest you and do them. You know, they become your purpose. They become your passions. And build a relationship with nature. Like, that's fundamental to human life it's fundamental to all life nature is you know we are nature so why wouldn't we be as connected as possible um you know we we're not of the earth we are the earth incredible incredible and um you're doing like such an amazing job and like i even if you're not out there expeditioning right now like it's even even when you took that little social media I know you took a little break from social media and to come back on and, you know, be real with, with us and like jumping on this podcast and just being so real is, is so, so important. And I'm so happy that you could come on and speak today. Cause I just think, um, your messages are, you know, are what we need right now. So thank you so much. Um, I do want to ask, I mean, I don't know if you've already have it in your head or not, but you know, once all this kind of madness is done, do you have an idea in mind for where you want to go next expeditioning? Um, I think like when actually, in fact, before this madness started, I had made the decision to um, make the next expedition a very internal one. Um, so, you know, I've kind of started on that pathway. I've started seeing a, a psychologist to help me understand the way my non-neurotypical mind works and develop strategies to deal with uh, overstimulation of my brain and um, you know that's I, I wouldn't say I've discovered everything about myself that I need to from nature like I, I understand fully and wholly the importance of nature in my life and and I think that's that's important that was an important lesson that I needed to learn um, but but now I need to uh, spend time growing and understanding how my brain is affecting me, uh, how my body and 
the way that it produces chemicals and you know, all those things from a like a medical point of view, how my body operates and how I can use that to my advantage. Because, you know, ADHD is a superpower. It is like unlimited energy, unlimited potential. It's just this ability to hone in on uh, whatever it is that I'm doing and hyper-focus and do it better than anyone who wouldn't have ADHD because it's it's my existence. It, nothing else matters except for this one thing, but only when I can, um, which, which is... Um, the tricky part because as i said it's a emotional regulatory disorder so i can't always do that sometimes i wish that i could be doing that and know that i could but i can't um and so that's my current adventure um and wherever that takes place is is i guess um always going to be best in nature of course but wherever it happens is that's what i'm doing now the next physical adventure i want to i want to do another kayaking trip um most most likely here in new zealand because it's been a while since i've uh, done something big here and this time i want to do it with some like some close mates so that it's not just like a big solo journey or not with strangers um which i think you know doing that journey with my partner was so special on a relationship growth um, point of view. So I, I would love to share that with some of my close friends as well. Wow. Love it. I love it all. And um, I'm so excited to keep following you on, on your journey and stuff. For those listening in, how can, uh, how can they check you out? Um, well, uh, until recently, I've been quite uh, non-existent on any platform, but <laughs> it's changing slowly. Um, on Instagram, or actually on all platforms, if you just type in Brando Yalovich Explorer, um, you can find me there. Or if you just jump on Google and type in New Zealand Wild Boy, I come up too. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining on the podcast today. You're incredible. I'm so happy to call you a friend and um, I can't wait to, to continue on your journey and I'm sure maybe we'll have you on in another year or so and see where you're at. So thanks so much, Brando. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on the Regenerate podcast. If you're interested in checking out more of our content, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, you can also visit us on YouTube at Regenerate Co. You can send us an email, regenerateco at gmail.com. And if you're interested in connecting with me, Jenna, the host, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Jenna Thornburg. So thanks for joining us.